0: From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Our community and the nation is feeling the effects of the epidemic of opioid abuse. To talk about its impact here in Central New York, I have with me in the HealthLink on Air studio toxicologist and doctor of pharmacy Willie Eggleston from the Upstate New York Poison Center. He's also a clinical assistant professor in the School of Pharmacy at Binghamton University and the director of the Opioid Research Center for Central New York. Welcome back to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Thank you so much.
1: I appreciate you having me.
0: So over the summer, the Washington Post published data from the Drug Enforcement Administration, and it showed exactly how many opioid pain pills were dispensed from every pharmacy in America from 2006 to 2012. And in Onondaga County, for example, it was almost 124 million pills or 38 pills per person per year during that time. Do those numbers surprise you?
1: They don't. Um, I think that... We have forgotten a little bit about prescription opioids in the U.S. Um, the way that this crisis has kind of unfolded uh, really came uh, in three phases. Uh, so in the late 2008s, 9s, we started seeing an increase in the number of patients dying from prescription opioids. In order to try to uh, mitigate that, uh, the number of opioid prescriptions in the U.S. began to drop. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that was done without providing resources to patients who had developed a substance use disorder or an addiction. And as a result, these patients were forced to turn to alternatives, uh, most commonly heroin, which we then saw become the leading cause or most increasing cause of, of opioid related deaths. And now most recently, we've seen fentanyl enter the US market and fentanyl has taken over as a leading cause of death. But that does not mean that these other causes have gone away. In fact, prescription opioids are still the second most common reason that people die from opioids in the United States. Wow. And a lot of times these are not uh, necessarily just patients with substance use disorder, right? That is a piece of it. Patients can develop a substance use disorder or addiction after they're prescribed an opioid for pain control for legitimate reasons. Uh, But you're also at risk for unintentional opioid overdose just from using these products if you have certain risk factors. And so uh, to see that We still have a large number of of people receiving these, I think, is expected, although they are continuing to go down. So we are making a move in the right direction, uh, but we need to continue to move in that direction.
0: So are the numbers of opioid overdoses on the decline?
1: We aren't sure yet. So uh, the 2018 numbers have not been reported in final nationwide. We do know that preliminary evidence suggests that drug overdose numbers have gone down. So that's drug overdose as a general class, Um, but I have not seen any information yet to indicate whether or not opioid overdoses have gone down. Now, in Onondaga County, uh, we do have some data from the Onondaga County Medical Examiner's Office uh, that suggests that they have, again, creeped up a little bit. So we had, in Onondaga County, 91 opioid-related deaths in 2017 and 101 opioid-related deaths in 2018. So a little bit of an uptick. Uh, Now, all that being said, the numbers have gotten to a point where they are... Unlike things, anything that we've really seen before, uh, they are very, very high. So at some point, we would expect those numbers to start to plateau or to start to decline a little bit, and that would be a positive sign. But I think important to remember that that's just a first step. Right, these numbers have gotten so out of hand; the number of deaths uh, are are just not like anything we've witnessed before in the U.S. And so we really need to bring that number down significantly. Um, so even if they do start to decline, we still need to continue to make the effort to think, keep things moving in that direction.
0: Well, lately, there have been a lot of headlines and talk about lawsuits and settlements with drug companies. Uh, let's talk for a minute. Let's refresh where like where does the blame lay? How did this get started and whose fault is it?
1: It's a great question. And I think that we do have this desire, certainly, to find someone to point a finger at. Right? There's a a lot of people dying, uh, were frustrated. And and certainly, did the drug companies play a role in this? Absolutely. Uh, They had products that some companies clearly recognized were addictive, and yet they continued to sell them anyway. They continue to push them. Um, there's even some uh, evidence in, in some of these cases that they tried to use this addiction as a positive thing for like, hey, we, now we have all these customers who might be long-term customers. And so yes, there was a role there, but they are not the only ones, right? So looking at our own selves within the healthcare profession, Certainly, uh, there were, for a number of years, uh, individuals prescribing opioids inappropriately. Now, these individuals may have had the best intentions in the world of caring for their patients, uh, but we now know that there are certain patients who are at higher risk for overdose, depending on how the opioids are prescribed, depending on how long they're prescribed for, depending on how many we prescribe, and so we're trying to get a handle on this from our end to say in the healthcare world, we're doing everything we can uh, for our patients to not give them that increased risk. And then patients as well. We, We encourage that even though, this has been the way things were done in the past. It might not be in everyone's best interest to have an opioid prescribed for chronic pain. So being open to other potential alternative ways to treat pain is important. And I think that that's a a message that uh, we're continuing to try and and give to our patients. But at the end of the day, uh, when you look at all those groups, really only one of them came out with billions of dollars. And so do I think it's inappropriate that there's some litigation taking place no, I think that that's a reasonable step if if intentions were truly bad.
0: This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Willie Eggleston from the Upstate New York Poison Center about the opioid crisis. Now, the last time you were on HealthLink on Air, we talked about naloxone, the medicine that can reverse an opioid overdose. Have we seen lives saved in our community because people have taken it upon themselves? to get trained and, and be able to administer this, this medication?
1: Yeah, so we uh, certainly continue to see patients saved by naloxone. Uh, the number of uh, reversals reported by EMS in Onondaga County uh, actually went up from 91 in 2017 to 101 in 2018. Uh, so our first responders, uh, whether they be EMS, fire, police continue to have access to these uh, this antidote and they are saving lives with it. And we are seeing uh, increases in availability in the community as well. Now it's harder to get numbers in the community because as someone at home, if you administer Naloxone to someone, you may not know like, so what do I do now to report that I reversed an overdose? So most of those go unreported, uh, but we now have Naloxone available through a variety of mechanisms in Onondaga County and in New York State. Those include pharmacies where you can get Naloxone without a prescription. Those include opioid overdose prevention programs like the one we have right here at Upstate where we educate patients on Naloxone and provide them with the, pro- the antidote to take home with them. And it also includes the work of the harm reduction group uh, Next Distro who has put together a website in conjunction with the New York State Department of Health, uh, Naloxone for All, Dot org And this website uh, provides information on how to use naloxone, uh, resources as to where to get naloxone, and lastly, uh, has naloxone physically available for patients who otherwise can't afford it or don't have access to resources that they will send in the mail to those patients.
0: So that's helping reduce the number of deaths. Yes, absolutely. Like.
1: And part of that is still uh, a up for debate. It still needs to be researched. We know that naloxone saves lives. We know that it's a cost-effective way to save lives. We just don't know how many lives it's saving because there's not a great way to collect that data at the moment.
0: Sure. Well, I know you're the um, director of the Opioid Research Center for Central New York. Tell us about what that is.
1: Sure. So the Opioid Research Center is a collaborative effort uh, between Binghamton University and SUNY Upstate Medical University. Uh, and our main goal has been to look at effective methods for reducing overdose death now. So there, are, there is a lot of ongoing research across the country, certainly to address this, this crisis, uh, a lot of it geared towards new drug development. And that's very important, right? Having new effective pain medications, having new effective treatments for opioid use disorder or for addiction is an important endeavor, Uh, but it's one that we recognize takes time, right? We're not gonna have a new medication tomorrow that's gonna treat this. Uh, And so our efforts are really geared towards how do we fill that gap? How do we start to reduce deaths today and increase access to treatment today using research uh, in order to help patients who are suffering with uh, addiction? And so some of the uh, current projects we have ongoing include projects to uh, increase access to Naloxone in the community, so we're really trying to do a better job of evaluating community perceptions of naloxone. So do people see naloxone as just an antidote for patients who use heroin or do they recognize that naloxone is an antidote that anyone at risk for opioid overdose, including patients who are prescribed opioids, should have available. Uh, Some of our researchers here at Upstate, like Gina Morafa at the Upstate New York Poison Center, are running pilot projects looking at keeping kids safe. So if we add uh, safe devices for storage to the home uh, and adults keep their medication in a a more uh, hard to access location, are we gonna see less kids getting into these products? Uh, And lastly, working with researchers at Binghamton University on can we leverage telehealth? So we recognize that not every hospital in New York State has addiction medicine providers. Uh, Certainly here in Syracuse we do, in Binghamton there are, but when you get out in some of the more rural areas, that's just not a resource that these hospitals necessarily have. Uh, So we're trying to leverage technology to say, can we bring that expertise to the emergency department without physically having that person there? And can that help us to increase the number of life saving medications we're prescribing when these patients show up after an overdose?
0: I think people may have the perception that this is a problem just in the big cities, but that's not the case, right? Oh,
1: certainly not. So when we look uh, across the country as a whole, certainly the number, right, the absolute number of deaths is going to be higher in a city than it is in a rural area because there's more people. But when we look at the rates, so we take that number and we figure out how many people are dying relative to how many total people are in that area, the rates of overdose death in rural counties now actually outpaces that in urban areas. Um, So even though the number of people dying in rural areas is less, the rates are higher. And that's alarming because these are patients who are suffering with this disease, who are overdosing, and who have less resources. Uh, So we don't have places like SUNY Upstate Medical University in small rural areas. And so these patients may have to travel 15, 20 minutes or longer just to get to a pharmacy to get naloxone and maybe hours to get to a program for treatment. And so trying to find solutions like Naloxone Online, like uh, telehealth, are really important for these patients.
0: Is anyone suggesting to just do away with prescription opioids? Just get rid of them entirely?
1: I'm sure there are people suggesting that. I don't know that that's necessarily a reasonable approach. So uh, I think what is more important is identifying who is appropriate to receive opioids. So they are an effective pain medication for someone who has a new terrible pain. So if on the way to work you get in a car accident and you break a bone in your leg, you're gonna have a lot of pain. And opioids are very effective at making that pain go away until you can get the treatment that you need to heal that injury. Now, if you have low back pain and you continue to have low back pain, We know that opioids are probably not the best choice. In fact, over time, they can cause a problem, what's called hyperalgesia. And what that means is if you have opioids in your system for long enough, the receptors that are responsible for telling your body that you're in pain, your body will make more of those receptors. And now all of a sudden, something that before might have just been a small bother can become a huge pain. And so they run that risk as well as the risk of developing uh, addiction or opioid use disorder, unintentional overdose. Uh, so it's not so much that they should just disappear, but that we need to do a better job of working with our patients to figure out when is a safe time to use these and when is not a safe time to use these.
0: Now, you earlier you mentioned um, heroin and fentanyl that I guess some people start on the prescription opioids. And when those are not available, they may turn to heroin or fentanyl, which are also opioids. Are they still a problem in our community? Are we seeing a lot of um, use of those?
1: Oh, absolutely. So fentanyl has gotten to the point in the U.S. that it's really kind of replaced or or for the most part replaced heroin on the illicit market. Mm-hmm. We see, still see heroin, uh, but heroin deaths have plateaued at around 15,000 or so um, per year based on our most recent data. Synthetic opioids like fentanyl have vastly overtaken heroin in causing deaths in the U.S. Um, In 2017, the most recent year we have numbers for, um, the number of patients who died from synthetic opioids approached 30,000. So fentanyl is the prime problem right now uh, as far as uh, individuals who are purchasing illicit opioids on the street, Um, but the approach to these is the same, right? It's still getting patients access to resources to treat substance use disorder. It's still getting patients access to naloxone to prevent overdose. Uh, And then also important to remember that just because heroin and fentanyl are what are in the news, that that doesn't mean that there is no risk to using prescription products. Uh, So patients who use prescription products, especially patients who use higher dose prescription products or who use prescription opioids in combination with other sedatives like benzodiazepines, or who have uh, breathing problems like COPD or asthma, those patients are potentially at higher risk for overdosing just from taking their prescribed uh, pain medication. Mm -hmm. So we do recommend that those patients also have naloxone available in the home. And we're doing a pretty bad job at that right now in the US. Uh, And so that's one of the big projects that we're trying to work on is to push, hey, just because you're on a prescription opioid doesn't mean you don't necessarily need naloxone. As of today, For every 200 patients in the United States that get prescribed a high-dose opioid, nine of those patients go home with naloxone. That number needs to go up.
0: Wow. And that's a message that needs to get out to the prescribers, the doctors, but also the patients so they know to ask. Absolutely.
1: Our patients need to recognize um, not only that this is important, but that this is something that could potentially save their lives. Um, A small study that was done in the primary care setting that looked at a project to try and increase the number of patients who were at risk for uh, potential overdose Uh, they did see that more patients were prescribed naloxone as a result of inserting a pharmacist into the healthcare team. But of those patients who were prescribed naloxone, nearly two-thirds of them never got it filled because they didn't feel like they needed it. So not only do we need to make sure that healthcare professionals are aware that this is a problem, but also that patients recognize that Naloxone is not something that just is for patients or people who are using um, heroin or fentanyl. It's for any anyone at risk of an unintentional overdose, which includes prescription opioids.
0: Well, this has been very informative. My thanks to uh, toxicologist Willie Eggleston from the Upstate New York Poison Center. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show Health Link on Air.